ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Turning hump day into hoops day here on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, also on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's your boy Chris Caddy rocking out with Amber Wilson. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance fixes it to fit your business needs from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payout options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need Quote today in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. And Amber, we got a ton to get to with the NBA play-in games. We saw last night the 7-8 matchups in both conferences. And tonight, spinning it forward, we got the 9-10 matchups in both conferences. So plenty of drama, plenty of fallout. But before we get to that, I feel like we got to address something that was said by our ESPN radio teammates Bart Scott and Alan Hahn, when they said in a two-on-two basketball tournament that they would run the table against any tandem on ESPN Radio, what's up with that? Well, this is what we're leading the show with? I had to what... because I feel a way about it. First of all, Bart Scott, the mad backer, coming out here saying that he would boat race anybody in a basketball competition. Stop yourself, Bart Scott. I just want to see Bart Scott do a left-handed layup, a left-handed hook shot, anything of that nature. If I could see that then maybe I could give some credence. Maybe I could be a little bit nervous about them trying to give us some competition. But Bart Scott, please. It's Just funny saying, Amber. I, I don't even know what to do with that. I, it, this, just, it was something that was on my chest. I needed to get it off my chest at the top of the show. I needed to lay down the challenge to Bart Scott and anybody else on ESPN Radio, for that matter. If they want to go with a two-on-two <laughs> basketball competition, come see me. I promise you, Amber, even though we might not win the game, we ain't going to lose the game because ain't nobody going to finish the game unless we win the game. And that's just where I'm at with it. Mm, I don't know if that's legal or not what you're saying, but I can't guess with two on, two on two, you can't foul out, right? There's no rules. It's a wild, wild west with two on two. I, I do think this is funny because normally when these beasts between radio shows develop, it is nerdville. But here on ESPN Radio, <laughs> we've got a bunch of former professional athletes that are a, a, a little uh, outrageously competitive, to say the least. So now y'all are just going after each other, even though I don't That's know right. what kind of business you and Bart Scott have on a basketball court. I have no idea. I know what kind of business Jay Will has on a basketball court. So I guess from that perspective, my money would probably be on him because I've seen him do it. But I'm not comfortable with the size disadvantage that you provide. So I'd also back <laughs> you as well. Exactly, Amber. I mean, if I was a little bit smarter, I'd have plenty of business on a basketball court because I'm 6'8". So, I mean, that's neither here nor there. All I'm simply saying is this. From a size advantage and a physicality standpoint, I just feel confident that you and I could take care of our business on a basketball court. That nobody you I mean, nobody on ESPN <laughs> Radio is going embarrassing. I'm glad you have that confidence in me. I do not have that confidence in me. How tall is Bart Scott? He's listed at 6'2". Yeah, my money's on you. We got this. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, I digress. Speaking of 2-2, two two, it really looked like 2-on-5 when we watched the Brooklyn Nets take on the Cavs. And last night, the Brooklyn Nets were able to take care of their business against the Cleveland Cavaliers to the tune of 115-108. This is a game that we expected Brooklyn to take care of their business and look forward to the matchup that they have with the Boston Celtics. But Amber, just revisiting what we saw in that game last night from Brooklyn, 
for a game where they led wire to wire, you had some dicey moments in there for the Nets. Yeah, but is that more about the Nets or is that more about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Because I don't want to take anything away from what that Cavs team has done this season, and they don't get enough credit defensively. They have been elite defensively all season long. Now, they didn't get the they didn't put out the best version of themselves last night in Brooklyn, and they were going up against two of the game's biggest superstars. And to me, that's the real takeaway from last night, Chris, is that superstars win NBA games and superstars win playoff basketball. And when you're talking about the postseason, it is a different ball game out there. And Kyrie Irving came to play in a way that we knew Kyrie was capable of, but a way that we don't always see from Kyrie night in and night out. And it just shows you what he can do in those months, whether fasting for Ramadan or not, which Chris Canty, like I can't, I can't do, I can't sit here and do a radio show with you when I'm a little hangry after not eating for a few hours. Nevertheless, go out and play a basketball game at that level with that level of competition around you when you're fasting. But Kyrie made his first 12 shots last night, finished with 34 points, 12 for 15 shooting plus 12 assists. He was phenomenal. Durant, 25 points, nine for 16 shooting, 11 assists and superstars win games in the postseason in the NBA. That's exactly what the the Nets did last night. They took care of business. No doubt about it. And, and you're right about the superstars. And from an offensive standpoint, this Nets team was never in question because we knew that once we got to this point in the season and the postseason, you were going to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So even after the James Harden trade, the Nets had plenty of, plenty of firepower on the offensive end. The question I always had was what the Nets were going to look like once we got to the playoffs on the defensive end. And Amber, last night, was a prime example of why I can't trust the Brooklyn Nets to go on a title run. You're talking about leading by as much as 22 throughout the course of last night's game, and in the last five minutes, that lead being cut to five points. That can't happen. You doubled up on the Cavs in the first quarter. You scored 40, they scored 20, and yet the Cavs, a relatively inexperienced group when it comes to postseason basketball, was able to hang in there, chip away at that lead, and ultimately make it a game in the crunch time. So I I don't know that Brooklyn is going to be able to win a long series against a team that's a little more competitive from a talent standpoint and a team that's a little more experienced when it comes to playoff basketball. So that's why I can't buy into the Brooklyn Nets going on some magical ride. And then the other thing that we have to keep in mind when we talk about the Nets' prospects of getting to an NBA Finals, think about the path that they would have to go, Amber. You're talking about taking on the Boston Celtics, the best team, or if not the best, one of the best defensive teams in the entire NBA. Then the Milwaukee Bucks in round two, if the Bucks get past Chicago Bulls, which we all anticipate they will, one of the better defensive teams in the NBA. And then you're talking about facing off against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I just, I don't know that they're, I don't know that this team is equipped to be able to go through that gauntlet and come out on the winning side because all of those series against all of those opponents, you're talking about long series. And when you look at the bench for the Brooklyn Nets, another consideration that you have to have, they had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Bruce Brown play 40-plus minutes. I don't know that that's something that's sustainable either as short as their bench is. So a lot of questions for this Brooklyn Nets team. I know we can't be dismissive of them because we, for what we saw from Kyrie Irving and what we saw from Kevin Durant last night, but let's be honest. 
can they do that every single night? Because ultimately, that's what it's going to take based on how this team plays defense. Well, that's what this boils down to, what you're going to get from those guys. And what you're going to need from those guys is that insane level of production and minutes. Because you're right, there are cracks there when it comes to this Brooklyn Nets team, particularly as it relates to their depth and as it relates to them defensively. Now, we keep hearing, maybe we'll see Ben Simmons. Maybe we'll even see him during a series with the Celtics here. I have no idea if we're going to see Ben Simmons. I have no idea if we do see Ben Simmons, what he's going to provide defensively. If he could provide anything, then it would be helpful. We know he was an elite, elite defender the last time we saw him play basketball. He's one of the best defenders in the entire NBA, but he hasn't played basketball in so long that I just don't know if we can all rely on that to make an appearance at any point during this postseason. Nevertheless, during a series with the Celtics. But I do think, Chris, when we're talking about last night's game, although there are cracks there, there are cracks with, frankly, every team in the East, right? Like, I I mean, I very Mm. much appreciate you having my heat there facing them in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think there's a lot of question marks about a lot of teams in the East. It's not a given with any of these teams. That includes the Celtics, even though they have been hot here the second half of the season. But last night, we're talking about a Cavs team that did finish with the same record as the Nets. I mean, it's, you know, we are talking about a Cavs team that in their own right is elite defensively. And I I know some of that comes down to Jared Allen being able to do what he's able to do during the season in the paint. But that's a big piece. That's a big piece. And, and, uh, you know, and Evan, Evan Mobley, I, I do think is the rookie of the year. Uh, I do think he deserves that. I mean, that, in other words, that is a good Cavs team that Brooklyn saw last night. And they did finish in the same position as the Nets in terms of at the end of the regular season. But everybody expected, apparently, the Nets to just blow out the Cavs last night because of the names on that roster. And I don't know how realistic that expectation ever was. And frankly, I don't know if that's where the expectation should be. The Nets were phenomenal last night. They took care of business. The Cavs did hang with them and hung with them at times, maybe surprisingly because of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on that roster. But to your point, yes, there are there are issues with the Nets, but there are issues with every team that we could break down in the East. You're right about that, Amber. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of the warts that those other Eastern Conference contenders potentially have. I don't know that I agree that the Bucks really have any warts, but outside of them, Every other team in the East has their own issues. But as far as where the Nets finished in the standings, we know the reasons why. They missed Kyrie Irving for two-thirds of the season. Kevin Durant missed over 20 games. And James Harden forced his way out of town. That, that's the reason why the Nets are where they're at. So when we start talking about them finishing with the same record as the Cavs, yeah, that's true. But all I guess in this situation, all records aren't created equal. This would be the one uh, I guess, exception to what my former coach Bill Parcells used to say, which is you are what your record says you are. I mean, right now, I would probably have the Nets as the third favorite team in the Eastern Conference to get to the NBA Finals behind the Milwaukee Bucks and behind the Boston Celtics. Now, good for us. We get to see that matchup with Kyrie going up against his former team in Boston. Also, Bruce Brown, his hometown is Boston, so he's got a little spice from that. And we heard some interesting comments from Bruce Brown after last night's game. But here's our very own Jay Williams on what he thought from the performance from KD and Kyrie in their win against the Cavs. KD and Kyrie, that's a damn video game. Like, you know, in in basketball, you don't always hear people say this, you know, one man can't beat five. Two men can't beat five. We watched two dudes beat five last night. You call whatever you, if you want to, you know, shoot them down because they're the Cavs. The Cavs had a hell of a season. Darius Garland went off for 30. First time All-Star. Two dudes beat five last night. And there's a chance they will do it again against the Celtics. 
Yep. I mean, that's essentially what happened, Amber. I mean, they combined for 59 of the 115 points that the Nets were able to put up. And both KD and Kyrie played 40-plus minutes. So it's going to be interesting to see if those guys can sustain those types of performances as we move through the postseason. Coming up next, why is there still concern with the Nets? Brooklyn, they can't stop anybody on defense. We'll have somebody that covers the team chime in on the issues that he sees this team have as they move through the first season. But first, a word from Indeed. If April is showering your company with open positions, then check out Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. Then invite them to apply and get connected. No more jumping from site to software to cell phone. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all on the Indeed dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. You're listening to Chris Candy and Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio. And Amber, right now we got to go out to the Canty call-in line to bring on New York Daily News Nets reporter, Christian Winfield. And Christian, how impressed were you last night with Kyrie's performance with the background, knowing that he's fasting for Ramadan? How impressed were you to see what you saw from him, especially in that first half where he was a perfect nine from nine from the field? I mean, it, it went past nine for nine. He started this game 11 for 11 and missed his 12th shot. I mean, to not be eating or drinking for basically from sunup to sundown, I asked him about it after the game. He said, you know, it's incredibly difficult. But he also said, you know, he's not the only one that's going through it. You think in NBA history, you know, you got Hakeem and Kareem who, who went through that. And then even on the Celtics, I believe the Celtics have three players, right? They've got Jalen Brown. They've got Ennis. They've got a few players over there that are, that are faster for Ramadan. So it, it, it's tough. But when you just consider the, the level of focus that he had to have to be able to just make shot after shot in a game like this against his former team, you know, with all the stakes that were at play right there, um, you know, Kevin Durant spoke at it after the game. He said he's just a different human being because he can't imagine that being able to do that himself. But uh, that's the type of player that, that the Nets have, you know, and I heard you guys talking about star power. You know, that's really what it's going to boil down to, right? A lot of times this season, it's been maybe Kevin Durant has been hot, but Kyrie wasn't having the best game, or Kyrie's having a 50-point game, and Kevin Durant is, is kind of taking his foot off the gas. You know, we're talking about the Celtics as contenders legitimately this year, the Bucks, the Heat. You know, if the Nets are going to, you know, come out on top in matchups against those teams, you've got to get games like that from Kyrie and KD at the same time, and I guess we'll see if they're able to string together some performances like that. So you've got to get those games from those guys at times during these playoffs for them to be successful this postseason. I don't think that's crazy to say, Christian, but do we need them to play 42 minutes each and be have a perfect first half and everything that happened for this duo last night? Is that sustainable moving forward? It's going to have to be. Listen, unless we're talking about Ben Simmons coming back 100% and being able to play 30 minutes right out of the gate, which I don't think is realistic. You know, we've seen this Nets team completely blow leads the second Kevin Durant checks out of a game, right? Or the second Kyrie Irving starts going cold and he's the one that's holding down the fort while KD is on the bench. And that just goes to roster construction, right? Yes, when you trade James Harden and get back Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, sure, there's a little bit more balance. But at the end of the day, 
this team is going to go the way Kevin Durant goes. And Steve Nash said earlier this season he didn't want to rest KD at certain points because he had to choose between resting KD and winning basketball games. That's where this team is. Yes, they've grown since then. I like what I've seen. We've seen this Nets team have four players score 20 points uh, in a game recently. You know, that's the type of effort that you want to see from them. But when you're playing against teams like the Celtics, that defense is unforgiving, and you're going to have to hit tough shots, and that boils down to KD and Kyrie and the shots they're able to generate. Now, we've seen KD not just be a scorer. We've seen KD have 10 assists, 16 assists the other day, and he's saying that he's underrated as a passer. Well, the Celtics are going to test him there because they're going to throw doubles, triples. They're going to switch from zone one possession to to trapping him another possession. It's going to depend on how he's able to read those defenses. So if we're able to see Kevin Durant come out there and have triple-double type games where he's scoring 35 and also getting 10 assists, I think that's going to be what the Nets need. But if they're not getting 40-plus minutes from KD and Kyrie every night in this series, in the playoffs, really, uh, I don't know how the Nets are going to survive. And that's going to be tough, right, when you consider KD has his injury history that he's got. Kyrie is playing without <laughs> without eating or drinking throughout the day. You know, he, it, it's going to be tough, but, you know, that's what's going to be required if this Nets team wants to move on. Talking with New York Daily News Nets reporter Christian Winfield on ESPN Radio. And, Christian, you're the best in the business because you led me right into my next question. You were breaking down the X's and O's, talking about the game plan against Boston. And, unfortunately, Bruce Brown decided he was going to do that in the postgame press conference after <laughs> last night's win over the Cavs. And Kevin Durant didn't think that that was the smartest idea about that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that moment, the fallout, potentially, and what's going on in that Nets locker room in terms of huddling up and making sure that they're not giving the Boston Celtics more bulletin board material than, than is absolutely necessary? You know, it was funny because at first I, I, I didn't really – catch what Bruce had said, right? Because it, it was everything was moving so fast in pregame. I didn't really think anything of it. And then KD comes in kind of up in arms talking about I didn't really appreciate what Bruce said. And, and you go back and listen. He's saying, hey, you know, without Robert Williams and they were going to go right at Horford and Tice. And, and part of that is common sense, right? Robert Williams is, is one of the premier shot blockers in this league. And once he's not in the game, you know, Al Horford is not as athletic. And Daniel Tice is not necessarily known as a rim protector. But it, it's just tactics right you don't want to get you don't want to show your hand before you play the game that's not how this works and Kevin Durant said even on top of that it's more so just like respect for the opponent right you don't want to come off as disrespectful to a team that now you're gonna have to go into their home and, and now they're feeling away because of what you said so at the end of the day that's just really who Bruce Brown is you know he's crazy like that he's gonna talk his talk and he gets fired up for these matchups against the Celtics. Obviously, that's his hometown. But you don't want to give opposing teams any any additional fuel than they already have. The Celtics are playing incredible basketball right now. Ime Udoka is a coach of the year candidate. Um, and Marcus Smart, obviously, a defensive player of the year candidate. Jason Tatum is playing out of his mind. That's a, that's a real well-rounded team right now. They don't need any additional fuel. You know, the, the Nets already have their work cut out for them. So I think KD was a little... Uh, a little set off by, by Bruce's words. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any real problems in that locker room. That, that's water on the bridge. They'll be fine. Bruce Brown's only 25 years old, so I think he'll figure out in the future maybe not to be quite so honest with the media. Uh, it was a very honest, honest evaluation of, of the changing game there uh, with the Celtics. 
So you talked a lot, Christian, and it's Christian Winfield, New York Daily News, on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. You talked a lot, Christian, about what, obviously, the Nets' main guys need to do in the game plan here in Boston. I'm curious about your evaluation of the health of this team because we heard, hey, the Nets are getting healthy at the right time. You know, Seth Curry, Goran Dragic, everybody's going to be out there. Is this team, in fact, is the supporting cast as healthy as it needs to be to get this done? Yes and no, right? So they were missing Goran Dragic for a little while because he was in the health and safety protocols. He was camped out in Atlanta for a few days because that's where he tested positive. Then he ended up coming back to New York to finish his quarantine there. So getting Goran Dragic helps this team because now you've got that bona fide floor general in a way, right? He's got that history with Steve Nash back in Phoenix to where Steve trusts him as an extension of himself. But the issue here is Seth Curry has a gimpy ankle. You know, he's had he's missed, I want to say, six or seven games since coming to Brooklyn with a left ankle. They're calling it a, a, you know, either tightness or soreness. He's been dealing with this since before the trade that got him here. And, uh, you know, with his ankle, it's kind of like a game-time decision in a way. You know, like, we've seen the Nets say he's available and then questionable and then rule him out all within a 24-hour period. And, you know, I've, I've asked him about it on multiple times. He's playing through a good amount of pain. And when you consider that this team already doesn't have Joe Harris for the season, you know, Seth Curry is really their only reliable sharpshooter. You know, Patty Mills has been prone to hot and cold streaks. You know, Kessler Edwards, he, he really got James Johnson's job after the uh, after the, the Nets waived him. But Kessler Edwards isn't necessarily a reliable three-point shooter yet, especially not under pressure. And Bruce Brown is having a breakout season from three for sure. But how do those looks look when the Celtics are actually throwing bodies at him and rushing him and under pressure in the playoffs, right? Seth Curry is battle-tested. So to not have him out there, or well, right now they're going to have him out there, but to not be 100% sure about his availability on a game-to-game basis, that's a big deal. You know, I've said it before, he's the third most important player on this team because of the spacing he's able to provide. So that's with him. And then Ben Simmons, that's the other, you know, I call Ben Simmons the ace in the Nets' back pocket. If he's able to play, he just changes what this team is capable of doing on both ends of the floor. I mean, you're talking about someone who could guard Jason Tatum on one side, grab that rebound, push it the full length of the floor, and either dunk or hit that corner shooter because he's that good of a passer. So this team is healthiest, is as healthy as, as they've been all season. But, you know, Seth Curry, he's really the most important domino here because he's just able to command so much attention and, and space that floor, especially without Joe Harris. If he's not ready, if he's not good to go, you know, that, that really impacts the team offensively. Well, Christian, we appreciate your insight, and we're looking forward to this series, and we're looking forward to having you back on the show soon, my friend. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Anytime, for sure. All right. That's New York Daily News Nets reporter Christian Winfield joining us on ESPN Radio. Coming up next, we got another mock draft that has landed, and we get to talk to the draft guru, Mel Kuyper Jr. That's next, and this is ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Now, it looks like John Conkac. It's not bad. Legler, he fooled him, not you. He had the Chuck Woolery numbers. Two and two. (laughs) We'll be back in two and two. More from KJ and Max Thursday morning at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio, and we're reacting to the Brooklyn Nets win over the Cleveland Cavs in the NBA play-in game, 115-108. to 108. The Brooklyn Nets set up to take on the Boston Celtics in round one of the NBA playoffs. And Amber, it seems a little weird because the play-in game feels like the playoffs, but it's not the playoffs, but it is postseason. Oh, it anyway, is. We'll, it's we'll the get playoffs. To, we'll, get to, we'll get to all of that. We, we want to know from you guys, 
is can the Brooklyn Nets get to the NBA Finals? Hit us up on the candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But, Amber, we got to put a pin in the hoops talk right now and pivot to the NFL because we got another mock draft that landed today. And for the insight on the mock draft, all things NFL draft, who better to have on the show than one Mel Kuyper Jr.? And we welcome him in now on the Candy Call-In line. And Mel, it's good to talk to you. Always great to have you, especially 15 days before the draft. Um, Looking at this year's NFL draft, we have eight teams that have multiple first-round draft picks. How is that going to impact how these prospects come off the board? Well, Amber and Chris, I can give you a, a good little alert. There's the final mock draft. is a 4.0 until the morning of the draft. So you won't have any more coming out until the morning of the draft. This will be the last one. But in terms of the, the teams with the double picks, it, it allows – opportunities to move up, and I think it w- we'll be anxious to see if any of these teams package picks uh, to move up a little bit. Uh, Kansas City for a receiver. Uh, you think about where New Orleans is. Uh, they need help at wide receiver as well, desperately. Are they going to wait? Are they going to move up? You keep hearing Jamison Williams as a hot guy right now, even though he's coming off an ACL and won't be ready until October, November. So uh, is Malik Willis. I'm going at six. Is, are the Steelers going to try to jump up to get Malik Willis or just sit at 20 and wait for somebody to fall in their lap? So I think the intrigue is about the double picks because it gives you an opportunity to go up and get a player if you see fit. It does feel like, Mel, that Malik Willis now has all the momentum as we head towards the draft, where it used to be Kenny Pickett and now all the mocks and all the commentators. Dan Orlovsky's out here saying that Malik Willis it could develop into the reason that you win a game, not just somebody who's there while you win games. So it seems like he's got the momentum. Where is that shift coming from? Why do you have Malik Willis so much higher on your board than you used to? Well, I had him higher up than, than as number one quarterback. This than the mock draft. What it is, Amber is just talking to people in the league and trying to get a, a gauge on what they are thinking and, and try to build a best consensus because you're not going to talk to various teams and have everybody agree. So you try to build a consensus, see who feels the strongest about a certain thing, and then you're not going to talk to anywhere close to 32. So you, it's obviously just trying to put guys in a range. But in Malik's case, I think the character being off the charts, the talent being off the charts. I, I brought up the fact that if look at a common sense standpoint, look back into the last few years, Justin Herbert won out on talent. He wasn't the first or second quarterback taken. Josh Allen won out on talent. Why is everybody raving about Josh? Enormous talent. They were criticizing him coming out that he wasn't ready, he's raw, he's not this, he's not accurate. And, and there were two, two quarterbacks went ahead of him, Marty, with the teams they drafted him. And Lamar Jackson won that same draft at the end of the first round. He's won out on talent. Then you think about where we are right now in the case, even go back when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes went behind Mitchell Trubisky. So again, yeah, Malik Willis has the talent. The league is about that. Coached these guys up, which they did, obviously, with those quarterbacks that I mentioned to make them great. And you have yourself a chance at a home run. I said today, it's like a home, you want a home run potential or you want a single or a double. And you can say, well, the home run's a risky home run. You might strike out. You know, you're swinging for the fences. That's true. But, you know, you can either play it safe and maybe be sorry or take a chance and maybe, like I say, hit the jackpot. Talking with ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. on ESPN Radio. And Mel, we're seeing NFL teams place a premium on the wide receiver position. As it stands right now, the average of the top 10 at any position, wide receiver checks in at second only behind quarterback. In your most recent mock draft, you've got seven wide receivers going in the first round. Last year, we saw five wide receivers go in the first round. How does this year's class compare to 2021's class? 
Chris, not as strong at the top. I think all the three that we had discussed last year as elite, the Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle, all had a higher grade than any of the receivers this year. Now, Jameson Williams maybe could have had he finished out healthy, but he was only a one-year star at Alabama. They had Drake London, had he finished out healthy, but he had the fractured ankle, hasn't run yet for the clock. So I think there's, there's factors why that is the case, but it's certainly, I think, even if it would have been a clean situation for all these receivers, I doubt they would have had as high a grade as the three last year. But with that said, the depth, seven, all deserving. I mean, Christian Watson, I scouted his father back in 1993, coming out of Howard as a defensive back, drafted in the sixth round by the Packers, which is where I have Christian going. Uh, Traylon Burks, obviously, the versatility he provides, the size aspect of it as well. And then, if there's one, maybe, that there's some mixed opinion on, it's Shahan Dotson. Could he drop into the early second? Maybe. Uh, but I'm going to Tennessee. And I, I like the second round receivers that I have as well. So, uh, that's a good group. If one drops into the second, I think that's all it does. So I think you'll – I would bet on six going in the first round minimum. I think seven certainly possible. That's why I did it. I didn't do it to try to be wrong. But I think the, the, the scenario you could probably – if I had to say an over-under, it would probably be five and a half, six. So, uh, you know, I think over five and a half, I would certainly go on the wide receivers in round one. You know the voice, Mel Kuyper Jr. joining Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So, Mel, in your precursor to your mock on the dot-com, you say the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, of course, but they're not the most interesting team in this draft. So who is the most interesting team in this draft? Well, I think there's several, Amber. I think Detroit at two because I've given every player. I'm trying to. I'm covering everybody. I don't know who the – let's say they take a shot. I've got everybody covering every mock. I don't know what direction they're going. Uh, they would have taken Aiden Hutchinson. It looked like he was going to be the second pick when Jacksonville looked like they were going to take either Equanu or Neal. But then they franchise Cam Robinson. Okay, so then all of a sudden then it becomes Aiden Hutchinson. Then does Detroit take Kyle Hamilton? He doesn't run the 40 expected. Do they take Trayvon Walker based on nine-and-a-half career sacks only and a great combine workout? they take Kayvon Thibodeau, or do they take the guy that's been the cleanest through the process? And Chris knows all about the process. It doesn't always work great, but it is a process where if you're clean, by clean I mean no injuries, no character, no issues, nothing, good combine, good workouts, production. Sauce Gardner checks every box. He checks mm. every box. And that's why the Lions are still in a division with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they, if Hutchinson goes one, I understand Okuda has been a disappointment so far, but and they, they drafted some wide receivers back in the day that were a disappointment. And then they got Calvin Johnson. How'd that work out? Pretty good. So, again, the Sauce Gardner to me, he's not getting past four, I believe. And I think the Lions need a corner, and he's certainly one of the best players in this draft at any position. Well, Mel, we appreciate you jumping on with us and giving us your insight, and we look forward to the NFL Draft, which kicks off 15 days from now. Thanks for jumping on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Amber, Chris, always a pleasure, you guys. Take care. All right, that's ESPN Draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr. breaking down his latest mock draft. Coming up next, Derek Carr got the bag. So is he actually worth it? Amber Wilson and Chris Candy, this is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio. And Amber, last night in the other 7-8 game in the Western Conference, the Timberwolves took care of business against the L.A. Clippers 109-104. But that wasn't the story. The story became Pat Beverly and how he behaved throughout the course of the game. Of course, picking up the technical foul on the jump ball with Marquise Morris. But then also how he celebrated 
at the end of the game, jumping on top of the scorer's table, ripping off his jersey and throwing it into the crowd, and then later on social media, trolling his former team in the L.A. Clippers. Do you got a problem with how Pat Bev celebrated the T-Wolves getting into the playoffs for the second time in the last 18 years? Well, the dust-up with Morris, I mean, if that ain't Pat Beverly, I don't know what is, right? He will get <laughs> under your skin. Uh, I did not know that Pat Beverly, though, would jump on a scores table after winning a play-in game. However, I don't know if I have a huge problem with it, Chris Candy, because it does feel like a March Madness environment with this play-in tournament, which is what is so fun about what the NBA has done here in expanding the playoffs. And you said earlier, it's not technically the playoffs. We all know it's the playoffs, NBA, okay? It's a playoff environment, and it's a one-and-done type of atmosphere. So because of that, I understand the emotion getting to you in that moment. He's got a really young team around him, a really inexperienced team around him. The coaching was bad on that side last night. Cat was bad on that side last night, and they still were able to pull this off and get it done. And Pat Beverly is the vet in that crew, and it is his leadership. I don't have a big problem with him getting emotional, I suppose. I mean, I, it's not something that I would want to see like a superstar in the league do, jump on the scorer's table for a play-in game, but he's Patrick Beverly. It's fine. He's not LeBron James. LeBron James was at home sitting on his couch tweeting laughing emoji faces at Pat Beverly for jumping on the scores table, which I don't can know if LeBron, that's good. Can LeBron James do that, though, Amber? No. I mean, he's not in, even in the play-in game, let alone yeah. the playoffs. So can LeBron James it, troll Pat Beverly? In all other aspects of life. involved in postseason Le- basketball? In all other scenarios, LeBron can laugh at Pat Beverly all he wants with all of LeBron's accomplishments. This ain't it, Fair. though, boss, because you weren't out there playing. He was. Exactly. That's my whole point. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the two figures with the Minnesota team that were happiest that things played out the way that they did. And Pat Beverly celebrated in that fashion. Chris Finch, their head coach, and Carl Anthony Towns, who fouled out of last night's game and had a putrid performance. Let me tell you something. If that thing went the other way and the Clippers get that win, all kinds of criticism are going to fall on those two figures because there's no way that you can allow Carl Anthony Towns to pick up four fouls in the first half of basketball. Charles Barkley nearly blew a gasket in the, uh, in the halftime show of that game. So I will just say this. Congratulations to Minnesota and Pat Beverly for advancing, and now it's going to make for an interesting first-round matchup that they've got. ESPN Radio. It's Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And we want to hear from you on whether or not you're buying into the Brooklyn Nets being able to make a championship run because I ain't doing it. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't believe it just because they want a play-in game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think Amber Wilson is on the other side of that coin, even though she's a Miami Heat fan, so I'm going to call fraud on that. But we also want to hear from you guys on what you think about the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets in their postseason prospects. So hit us up on the Candy Calling line. Again, the number is 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. But Amber, with the NFL, the news keeps on rolling. It doesn't feel like the offseason because it feels like every single day We get a huge piece of breaking news in the NFL, and today is no different, Amber, because today, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr got a bag of money. Derek Carr signed a three-year contract extension 
to stay with the Raiders to the tune of $121 million. Now, I think the interesting part about this is the guaranteed portion of Derek Carr's contract extension matches up with the guaranteed portion of his former teammate Devontae Adams' new contract extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Raiders have their best receiver and their best quarterback locked up for the next four seasons. So it's pretty exciting times if you're a Raiders fan. It is exciting times. We all knew this was coming. We all knew Derek Carr was going to get paid, and we were just waiting for this to come down because we knew the second that they got Adams that they weren't going to move on from Derek Carr. There were those conversations for a minute, right, with the Raiders, and then those conversations passed rather quickly because they brought in more weapons for Derek Carr, and by all accounts, Derek Carr was phenomenal last season, phenomenal in terms of his leadership for that team as well, Chris Kant. He has earned this bad because it was a very tumultuous season last season, and that vet presence and that leadership very much paid off having him in that locker room, riding the ship almost until the very end. And so for Carr coming off of that best season, career best in terms of passing yards and 23 touchdowns, and he certainly has earned the respect of getting paid by that organization. I was surprised that it's only a three-year extension. I feel like that's where maybe the Raiders put their foot down and they said, you know what, we're not willing to go past 34 years old with you like maybe that was the Raiders side of things this isn't a four or five year long extension which is probably something that Carr wanted and to your point it does match up with Devontae Adams and that is the duo moving forward and that will all come down to how successful this Raiders team is going to be but another quarterback getting paid 40 million per I mean this is where the quarterback market is right now the other thing that did surprise me though isn't just the length of this extension I was surprised Mm. there's a no trade clause that Derek Carr got a no trade clause I'm not trying to be disrespectful (laughs) to Derek Carr but I I mean a no trade clause we've seen how valuable no trade clauses can be in the NFL Yeah, but, I mean, if you're the Raiders after the season that you went through and all of the things that you described in terms of Carr's leadership through that adversity, why would you want to move on from him? You probably wouldn't, but there's always – From an optic standpoint, I I don't think that that's a place that the Raiders want to live. But uh, I think, to your point, Derek Carr uh, getting the bag was something that was well-deserved. But I think, you know, the overarching – point to be made is where the quarterback market is going. I mean, Derek Carr has a $40.5 million new money average on this extension, and that puts him fifth, Amber, fifth Mm -hmm. among current quarterbacks. It does make him the seventh member of the $40-plus million club joining Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, and Dak Prescott. But now, if you're Derek Carr, it feels like those are big shoes that you have to live up to. And I guess my question would be, with Devontae Adams locked up, with Derek Carr locked up, having Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, not to mention Josh Jacobs in the backfield, how much pressure is now on their new head coach, Josh McDaniels, who was brought in for his offensive mind? I I think that there's pressure there, but I don't know if there's pressure right off the bat in terms of where are the expectations? I mean, I, does anybody expect him to be able to go out this season and, and this team to win a Super Bowl? I, you know, I don't know. Well, you got to at least get to the playoffs though, right? You have to at least get oh, to the yes, playoffs. Oh, yes, you do have to make the playoffs. But this is a team that almost did with an unbelievably tumultuous season and, and no head coach at the helm, right? So I, I do think 
that they're constructed to be able to do that. And yes, that is where the expectation is now. And when you pay your quarterback and when you pay your receiver, when you bring in the, the fancy new head coach and it is his time where he has to show us that he can actually get it done this time as a head coach in the NFL, it is playoffs or bust. I'm just not sure that the expectation extends far beyond that. To your but point, Amber, though, here's, the quick, thing, here's the thing though, Amber, and I hate to cut you off, but do you think the Raiders are going to the playoffs? With the division now getting Russell Wilson with the Broncos, with the Chargers making the upgrades that they've made this offseason, do you think that the Raiders can make it into the playoffs? I think that they can. I'm not saying they're going to because of the level of competition, but also do they you got expect a lot better them to? as well. That's my question. Do you expect them to? Because we're talking about expectations. Do you expect the Raiders to make the playoffs? Because I, I don't. Think that, I, I think that's where the expectations should be if you're the fan of the Raiders at this point, though. Yes. Okay, all right. So I, I don't be. think the Raiders will make the playoffs. <laughs> I, I think that division is going to be closely contested between the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe the Chargers get involved in that too.